0: Hi everyone, you're listening to the Singapore Noodles podcast where we look forward to a world in which Singaporeans are proud of our rich and diverse food culture and play an active role in keeping traditions alive. I'm your host Pamilia Chia and today I'm joined by Edmund Wee, who is the publisher and CEO of Epigram Books, which is a Singaporean independent publisher that champions local literature and writers. Founded in 1991 as a communications design firm, Epigram found its place in publication design when Edmund was conferred Designer of the Year in the 2008 Presidents Design Award. For his efforts, Edmund was included in the Straits Times Life power list of arts, entertainment, and lifestyle players for three years in succession. In this conversation, he chats with me about cookbook publishing, which combines his three loves in life, reading, cooking, and design. So can you tell me how you first got into cooking? Was it um your family's influence or was it later in life?
1: Oh, much later in life. I still remember as a young kid, whenever I entered the kitchen, my mother would uh, chase me out. It's the old-fashioned way where, you know, only the daughters are allowed in the kitchen and the sons were, you know, hushed, pushed away and, and and told to keep up, you know. Mm-hmm. So... uh. Uh, I think uh, it, I think my interest in cooking must have started around the time of uh, when I uh, became aware of um, what is his name, uh, Jamie Oliver, and the Naked Chef. Uh. Yeah. And I had I think seen some of his cooking and, and, and some of his shows, and I was, and I think I got inspired to say, yeah, you know, why shouldn't I cook also? And so mm-hmm. I think it vaguely, if I had to recall. An event, it would be some. It would be about uh, around the time when uh, Naked Chef was uh, being shown on TV.
0: That was in the '90s, right?
1: I think so. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I remember being very into him as well. You yeah. know, like when he
1: had yeah. Yeah, like
0: the stairwell that he'll slide down. Yeah, and yeah, yeah,
1: And he he made cooking like uh, you know, it's actually very much like our old days you know uh, where our parents would say "aga aga." Uh, yeah. And Jamie, you know, I didn't have to measure this, measure that, and all the exact thing. Just sprinkle this here, sprinkle there, and you know, just just estimated. Yeah. When, uh, and and that made it uh, less intimidating, I think, for for men. So you you go to Gimmo Market a lot. So how did
0: that happen? I mean, uh, was it because um, you? found it difficult to get certain ingredients from the supermarket, that's why you went to the wet market? Or was this something that you started um, in your younger days? You know, maybe you went to the wet market with your parents?
1: No, no. I, 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 like most boys, I wouldn't have gone to the market with my mother. My <laughs> right? yeah. mother would do everything. And I suppose I, when I started living on my own, it was the usual, I would go to supermarket. I can't remember when I started going to a wet market, but... It must be at least 10 years now.
0: Mm-hmm. The moment
1: I went, I started going, I just enjoyed it. La. I liked it.
0: Mm, you didn't find it intimidating at all?
1: No, no, no. Yeah, you don't know many things and, you, and they don't speak uh, English very well, but it's just a matter of uh, just going back regularly. I think that's the important thing about a wet market. It's good that you go visit the same uh, stallholder rather than flit around. So if yeah. you find one that you like, well, just go back to him all the time. Mm. Then you start to develop a relationship and then they start to be a bit more, uh, maybe honest mm-hmm. with you. Uh, you can start asking them questions. You can yeah. start asking them for help. You can ask, ask them for advice and they'll be more than happy to tell you. And then they become friends, la, sort of. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, not friends. you don't go out after work, but uh, they yeah. become very friendly. And it becomes, it's not intimidating after that. So how did you pick
0: your favourite? I mean, like there are so many vegetable vendors or like so many fish store uncles at the wet market. How do you pick your favourite?
1: Ah. <laughs> okay, I, 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 I have this uh, affinity for, for, for the underdog, as you know. So I, I try not to go to the most popular store, the one where everybody wants to go. So the number one guy. So I, I would try number two or number three because mm. uh, I think the number one guy doesn't need my business. And mm-hmm. anyway, you know, uh, so I will unless number one guy is really, uh, really very good lah. You know, mm-hmm. so I think yeah, it's a relationship. So I, I look for the number two or number three guy, and mm-hmm. if he is he or she is uh, friendly and nice, and I would stick with them. I like to help the underdog because uh, I mm-hmm. feel sometimes that that's that's me. I'm also very much a person not part of the mainstream. Mm. you know. Uh, so I'm I, very supportive of people who are number two sir, or number three. Sir.
0: Mm. So can you tell me about the
1: very first cookbook that Epigram published? Oh, I'm not very sure, but I think it would have been Irene's Pranakan Recipes.
0: Oh, I love that series. The White uh, book, right? series.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it started with that. Uh, uh, Irene's daughter came to me showed me all the recipes her mother had written for her when she went to London to study music and she had come back and I think the mother had either passed away or mother was about to pass away mm. and asked if I would do a cookbook of the written recipes that the mother had given her when she went to London as a student, many mm. years ago, of course. Yeah. And uh, and I thought, uh, yes, we started, you know, I, I thought about it, how to do it. We, have, we just started publishing. We didn't really have a lot of money.
2: Mm.
1: So the idea was to do it without any photography and uh, and then uh, use a good design to, to enhance the book. And I think also the feeling when I was going through the recipes, I had the feeling like, well, why do you need to show people what uh, uh, you know this dish looks like? Everyone knows what chap uh, chai looks like, for example. Why do you need to show mm. the so I thought, okay, we take a risk, you know, we'll do a book. We don't have much money. We also don't want to sell it too expensively. So we we basically did it without photography, did it without uh, any four-color printing, was just one, one color printing, and mm-hmm. uh, make it better by design. Because at that time, mm-hmm. I had just, I was running a design agency uh, mm-hmm. and uh, book publishing was kind of just a uh, sideline, you know.
0: Oh so that was even before you started publishing fiction.
1: Yes, yes, long before. So it's one of those things that somebody came to me because I was uh, you know doing design and
0: then yeah.
1: asked if I would help or you know find a way I could do this. Yeah. So I I used the you know our design agency as a way of publishing mm. to publish the book. Lab.
0: Hmm. So that one book eventually became a series, right? So why yes. did you expand it into a series?
1: Ah, because after I did the Irene's pranakan recipes and somebody had seen it, came to me and said, How about I my mother has also got the same thing and I said, Well, your mother, what's your mother? And you know, I discovered the mother was Cantonese. So I said, Okay, let's do the same thing with your mother's recipe and we'll call it your mother's name. Madam Choi, Cantonese recipes. And she was so Mm -hmm. excited. And then we did it. And then uh, we started seeing a pattern now, you know, uh, uh, nephews, nieces or uh, children or grandchildren uh, having recipes of somebody else older uh, that they can recall. And then we said, oh, okay, in that case, why don't we... I think it was only after the Cantonese one that we said, let's go and look for... Other children, or you know, uh, who have an older person recipe, and so then I think yeah. I can't remember what was the third one. Maybe the Indian was the third one, and then I think we went to the Teochew, then it was Hokkien, and then maybe the Eurasian. Mm. And we've struggled for mm. many years to complete it by having a Malay one, and we have not been very successful. And but why is that? Why is that? Because of the few. Malays that I have contacted who were interested in doing so, they all gave up, up halfway through or one quarter way through. La.
0: Oh, so you are still oh. looking for someone to to write? No,
1: no. So I have now got a Malay one. It'll be coming up uh, sometime this year.
0: Oh, oh my god! Yeah, so that
1: that will complete the series, mm-hmm. and I'm very pleased that we've completed because I think the Malay one was a big, uh, uh, you know, big hole la.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: I mean, can we go and do a cake and Hakka, all that? Well, possibly, but I haven't uh, gone out of the way to look for these. Uh. I, I think if they appear, maybe we we'll do it. But I think the Malay would complete the series. Uh.
0: So you started Epigram. Did you have a very clear idea that you wanted a cookbook section for Epigram?
1: No, but I just remember that there are three things I love in life. One is reading, one is cooking, and my third one is, was designer. Art, la, art. so when I started uh, eventually to s- decide that we should set up a proper book publishing firm I said uh, so obviously these are the three things so we should definitely publish fiction we should publish cookbooks and we I wanted to publish art you know art and design which uh, we have since uh, abandoned because it's uh, it is really uh, expensive and difficult Mm -hmm. So I published some photography books. I wanted to publish more, some design books. Uh, But I think they were just not viable financially, Mm.
2: commercially.
1: But we have uh, stuck to uh, fiction and uh, we have uh, tried to do cookbooks. uh, Because like I said, I love cooking, you know.
0: I think what I really love about Epigram is its focus on Singaporean stories, and you know, the lens is always cast on Singapore and its food and its people. So, you know, was this focus um, your initial idea for Epigram, or was it something that was fleshed out more in the later years?
1: No, no, I think when we started, it was very obvious to me that the focus should be on Singapore. Mm. Singapore writers, Singapore stories.
2: Mm.
1: I mean, it doesn't make sense for me to. Why would I, as a Singaporean, want to publish a book by an American author on a, a story set in New York, or mm. you know, English author story set in Somerset, or a French person's story set in Aix-en-Provence? You know, does mm. not make sense. Uh. so I didn't. I, I I never thought it was anything special. I just thought it was obvious yeah that uh, i would publish singapore and and the emphasis should be on singapore
0: do you think people have a stereotype of singaporean authors or writers
1: uh, i think there was in the old days i like to think that in the last 10 years that epigram has been around that we have uh, changed that uh, stereotype and we have improved it
0: oh what about with with uh, singaporean cookbooks i like my stereotype of singaporean cookbooks in the past was that it's like very cheaply produced, like, you know, popular $5 cookbook yeah, kind yeah. of stuff?
1: Yeah, $12 to, cook, $12 to $20 cookbook.
0: Yeah, or oh, oh, it's like very, a bit gaudy, la, you know? The, the yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think generally, my own sense is that publishing in Singapore, book publishing, especially of uh, novels, uh, nonfiction, and, uh, and and lifestyle, I don't want to be too critical, but it wasn't up there, you know, with the best in the world.
0: Mm. So what do you think the best in the world had that local books didn't?
1: Oh, I, I, At that time? Uh, well, they certainly had a better design. They had certainly had better uh, editing, better stories, better uh, uh, production values. So when Epigram started, we, uh, and, and because of our background in design, and our background in, uh, uh, book book, uh, you know, production. And also my background as a journalist, uh, I think I made it very clear to people who worked in epigram that we, we really should not try to cut corners. And therefore we, we have full-time editorial staff. We have full-time uh, designers. We have production managers. We have full-time marketing and sales and marketing people. Uh, you know, we, we we try not to use cheap paper we you know, so so we try not to cut corners uh. Uh, mm. yeah of course as we go along and face with uh, much more realistic uh, demands of the of the industry obviously we have cut corners here and there but i think as a general rule in epigram we try mm. very hard not to cut corners uh.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: so even if it cost us a bit more uh, even if we, uh, we have to, you know, have to have more people in the office and therefore increase our overheads, we have tried not to, you know, cut back. I like to hope, I like to think and I like to hope that when people look at those books, they they can see that there is, uh, you know, uh, a lot of effort put to making sure we use the right paper. There's effort put in, you know, designing the book. There's some effort put in, um, uh, you know, marketing and promoting the book. That, yeah. Yeah. And then finding good writers, right? So that's uh, that's the reason why we started the book prize, right? So because mm-hmm. you want more people people to write, and you want to give them some money for it, so more people will be interested in writing. So I think as a result, epigram starting. Uh, book publishing and because we set such high standards i think that i think generally the the standard overall has in singapore has gone up i like Mm -hmm. to think that we have uh, the other publishers have also uh, come along also you know look at the competition and feel that okay they also have to try to do better so i think generally there has been an improvement now
0: yeah and you actually test recipes from the cookbooks that you publish I was so surprised when I found out about that Yeah yeah must. Um, be.
1: <laughs> okay we don't have a test kitchen where we where we do every single recipe in the book right and, and and obviously we don't have lots of money where we can photograph and style every photograph and photograph every dish but uh, yeah, usually that's uh, the content is provided by the author. Uh, mm. And then we we certainly try to make it look better. La. And yeah, we, we test out some dishes. Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah, which is so great because um, I remember I met your wife when she was selling me um, Classics 5. Ah, yeah. Yeah, so she was telling me like, you know, about the recipes that she tried. And mm. I was so surprised that she actually, you know, went to the trouble to cook from the yeah, book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then later on, I realized that you also cooked from wet market to table. So it yeah, was yeah, really yeah. shocking to me. And you actually made the seobark, I remember. Oh,
1: I've done more than that. I've done that. I've done the, 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 um, the cockles with... Uh, oh, the
0: lala, is it?
1: Uh, yeah, lala with the laksa leaf. Mm, I love I've that. done the, the, the raw salmon mm. with what? Uh, avocado and uh, water chestnut or chest. Yeah. Mm. Uh, wow.
0: I've,
1: I've done many more the three egg uh, Uh, three
0: eggs the tatsui
1: right yeah yeah, yeah. I've done that
0: so I've done
1: uh, many dishes from your (laughs) your book
0: yeah so is this like uh, a practice for you like every single cookbook you'll actually try some recipes
1: yes yes of course of course I try some yeah I must say uh, between you and me I haven't tried the kuei book
0: it's so tedious okay I shouldn't say tedious but I mean it's more involved
1: is it yeah it's much more involved and really it is uh, much more difficult so I haven't although I'm very so I rang I rang uh, uh, Christopher I said Christopher I must make one recipe from your book and if I had to choose one I think I would like to learn how to make quay salad mm. and he said oh that's the hardest one and <laughs> I said, oh. <laughs>
0: I think people are always very curious about the process of writing a book or the selection process. You know, um, I've had a few questions where people ask me, "Oh, how did you get published?" So, what is your selection process? I mean, how do you decide whether or not an idea makes it into a cookbook?
1: In epigram, uh, it's, it's, it's like all publishers that we have, we we publish things. Uh, we we get things two ways. One is things that are come that come from epigram. That means we either commission it or we thought of an idea and we're going to look out for someone to say, hey, would you like to do this? Uh, you know, would you like to mm-hmm. write this? And then the other way would be people would just uh, send manuscripts of, or ideas to us unsolicited, and then we will look at them. And then, you know, so it, it starts out in these two ways, uh, either comes from us or it mm-hmm. comes to us. Uh, and then from there, we look at it and then yeah. we... We we have uh, our mm. editors will go through it. We discuss it at an editorial, monthly editorial meeting. We mm. uh, you know hear everybody's views and uh, ideas mm. or the manuscript that passes most people. Uh, if some people have objection, then obviously we listen to it. Uh, if everybody hates it, then obviously the right. You, you will be left at the at the door, but if there's an advocate for it, and then is able to persuade others, and then it goes through the next round, and then uh, you know, and eventually, uh, after two or three rounds, everybody likes it, or everybody can see mm. that uh, there's a potential for a book like that. Then we we will accept it for publication. Now. So
0: personally for you, what is your your criteria or what is your your rubric?
1: One is, is it important that it should be published? And the other one, and obviously sometimes they go together and they should, is, can this book sell? Yeah, it's, sometimes it's not much point publishing a book, spending all that money and effort and nobody buys it. Then it's as good as not publishing yeah. a book, right? The whole us of publishing a book is to make sure it sells.
0: But how can you tell whether or not a cookbook idea will fly?
1: Oh, you can't tell. You
0: can't tell. It's all guesswork, isn't it?
1: It's all... Uh, it's all guesswork. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's looking at what works overseas, right? So if you have a celebrity for yeah. unfortunately, because we don't really have a lot of uh, cooking shows on TV, uh, so we don't have that. But I think one of the most obvious things that work in cookbooks, for example, is if you are a celebrity and you are also a chef. So the likes of Jamie Oliver, the likes of Nigella Lawson, and I'm sure Mm. uh, Gordon Ramsay, these are cookbooks you know can sell. So if we have a famous chef Mm -hmm. in Singapore who's also a celebrity and they want to write a cookbook, I, I'm yeah. very sure that will sell, out, Right, and then the others would be just a uh, 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 intuition, uh, gut feeling. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the way of the quay. Wow. You know, when Chris came to me, I said, "Wow, all the recipe looked like damn difficult to do, right?" But I know Christopher. I know his father, especially even better. Uh, then I I I like the idea of the quay, mm. right? Because it's so multiracial, and and then I know Chris and I know. He, he takes uh, good pictures of his staff. And I had done one book with him earlier, Nerd Baker. Mm. So when the Quay came, I said, okay, let's do it. Uh, he had some grant from Heritage mm. Board which uh, helped him and I you know I, I didn't have to pay him a big advance or anything. Uh, yeah, so so we did it. At that time, did we think it would be such a bestseller? No. I mean, I thought, okay, we'll print 1,000 copies. We will sell it. Mm. Uh, in the Singapore, I think you know now, Singapore context, for, for Epigram anyway, most books that we publish, we would publish uh, 1,000 copies. Mm. Uh, and we hope that we can sell it and then try and reprint another 1,000 and, and hope that we get to 3,000, you know, because between our break, even point is between three to 5,000.
0: Break-even, just to break-even.
1: Yeah, of course. You, you can't break-even at 1000 When you sell a book, the bookshop takes 40%, right?
0: Yeah.
1: 45%. The distributor takes about 15%,
2: 20%. You mm. pay the
1: authors about 5% royalties.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: usually, the printing, we try to make sure the printing doesn't cost more than 10%. But frequently, it does.
2: Yeah.
1: Right? Especially with cookbooks and... Uh, books that are not just black and white you know like a novel we mm. keep that at around ten percent. So if you count all these third party costs, ten percent printing, five percent uh, royalty, that's fifteen percent, the public uh, the, the the distributor takes another fifteen percent, that's thirty percent, the bookshop mm. takes forty, forty five percent, that's seventy-five percent, mm. So every book you sell, you have twenty-five percent and the twenty-five percent covers, you know your rent, your salary, your staff salary, your, you know, everyone in Epigram from designers to editors to production to uh, finance to marketing and sales and promotion, all that will take up nearly 20%, even more sometimes. So the publisher yeah. has like, you know, 5%, 10% left. So in order to cover the cost, you need to sell about, Three to five thousand.
0: It sounds like a very difficult industry, the print
1: industry. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is not overseas, although you know, in in a place where you have uh, a huge population,
0: mm.
1: selling uh, about three to five thousand may not be so difficult if you have three hundred million people. Mm. But you know, in Singapore we have five million.
0: Yeah.
1: So so it it uh, you know and and the cost is about the same mm. whether you are in Singapore or. or or New York or America you, you still pay about the same percentages mm. so as a publisher you have around if you're lucky you get banned 15% if you're not so you know maybe you're 5% mm. so that 5% you've got to cover all your, your, your costs
0: I'm going to ask you a sensitive question and yes. that and that yeah. is you know a lot of people are saying that print is dead um, and, you know, people are talking about the shift towards a digital or online world. Um, so, you know, e e-products, digital products. So yeah. what, what is your perspective from, you know, from someone who runs a publishing business?
1: Uh, I, well, the metaverse, as everyone talks about it, is very new. But actually, the idea of ebooks is not new, right? Yeah. Uh, Kindle and uh, the, the books, uh, e came out many years ago and at one stage everyone thought, oh, you know, the sale of books, uh, ebooks was going up from 0 to 5, 10, 15, 20. I think even reached 25, nearly 30 percent. And people were saying that books might go the way of CD, CD mm. CDs, you know, where everybody now listens on Spotify and streaming. Nobody buys a record or CD. Mm. And uh, I think there was a lot of talk that books, would, would, would uh, physical books would die. Like. Mm. But the opposite has happened. Uh, uh, over the years, as, as people became more familiar with the e-book, they realized that they prefer the P-book, the physical book.
0: <laughs> yeah, the P-book.
1: <laughs> yeah, the P-book. So the e-book has actually uh, gone down in sales. So much so, it's less than 10% now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I think what happened was people have discovered, for example, if you're very young, parents feel okay. I think uh, while, while the internet is the, the, the new environment for young people or for, the new, for this new generation, uh, they want to delay the entry of the young into the digital world. Mm. They don't want a, a three-year-old kid to start going into the digital world. You know, They want to delay it as much. And therefore, for very young children, they have now gone back to reading the book
2: mm.
1: with the child because they have discovered that reading reading with your child is the most important thing
2: mm.
1: in terms of reading. You don't just give a book to a child and say, Go and read it yourself, you know? Yeah. You must sit down with the child and read, and then you cultivate that habit. Mm.
2: Uh,
1: and then the people who have read a good book have discovered they would like to put it in their shelf. They want everyone to know they have read this book. And, uh, and here and there, they have discovered that if you were to read a book on how to improve yourself, certainly you want to put it on your table so that when your boss walks past, he knows you've been reading a book rather than in your uh, Kindle and nobody knows you are reading that book. Yeah. So uh, I think what has uh, they have discovered that People who read continue to read on the Kindle or ebook Really, are those uh, people who travel a lot, business mm. executives who are uh, flying every week, and uh, maybe people who read books that they are slightly embarrassed that everybody knows. So it's, whether it's soft porn or uh, a, a romantic fiction, or mm. you know things that you read and just you know for just for a break from something, and then
0: yeah.
1: you probably throw it away. Uh, and so, okay, you don't mind reading it uh, on a Kindle. Yeah,
0: and so for you, what, what are the pleasures of reading a physical book?
1: Oh, or cooking
0: know, from a physical cookbook.
1: Uh, I don't know cooking. I think uh. I I could cook. I I it'd be hard for me to cook from a TV screen. Now you know I would have to print it out and then uh, mm. you know, because it's there constant. It's, it's same like a book. But you see, why is it important to read? You know, four things happen when you read. Four things happen when you read. And when I say when you read, I mean reading a novel. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Number one, you are transported into another world. Mm -hmm. Right? You're transported. How else can you understand what is it like to be an American? How else can you understand what is it like to be a young person? How else can you understand what is it like to be poor? Or anything, you cannot get into the world of somebody else unless you read a novel. And so, I mean, I've got many examples of how, uh, you know, I I may know a lot of things, but until I read a novel, for example, I give you a classic uh, case of. Uh, you know, you know what happens in Saudi Arabia, and you read the news about women there and all and, and all kinds of things. I, but it's only until I read a novel, uh, I think it was called The Consequences of Love, not a great literary novel, but it's not a bad novel uh, by an Ethiopian refugee who had escaped Ethiopia and stopped in Saudi Arabia on the way to London. He wrote a novel, and it's only because through that novel that I finally understood and, and, and puzzled over how does a man fall in love in Arabia in Saudi Arabia. Because every woman in Saudi Arabia is covered from head to toe in a black veil and a mask. So you never see a woman. You never ever yeah. see a woman. Through the eyes. The eyes are the windows to the soul. Yeah, you know, so how, how do you fall in love with anyone? In, in How do people fall in love in Saudi Arabia? And it never occurred to me until I read this novel that, oh my God, this is something I never even thought about, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. And...
1: And there are many, many other instances of books, you know, uh, set in Pakistan that I've read, set in uh, in, the, in the West too, and and in uh, many other countries. Mm. Uh, where if I had not read the book, I would have never. I mean, I can read all the news I want, but I would never have understood, uh, you know, the world of somebody else. Mm. And understanding the world of somebody else helps you develop. This great quality called
2: empathy—you
1: mm. are able to put your shoes, your yourself into the shoes of somebody else.
0: Mm. So
1: that's really very important, you see.
0: Yeah, I agree, uh, especially now in Singapore, when I feel that the various races don't really have an in-depth yeah, understanding yeah, of, of one another.
1: Yeah. So in, in in the case of Epigram Book, we published a book called Sugar Bread, and I mentioned this many times to many people. Uh, you read it, and you then understand. What is it like to be a minority in Singapore? Mm. You know, whether the novel is about a Punjabi, a, a young Punjabi girl. Yeah, but again, it can be anyone of a minority race. And and you read it and then you really, because it's written by a Punjabi herself, you then understand what is it like to be a minority in Singapore. Mm. And mm. as a Chinese uh, being the majority race, I tell you you'll never understand what is it like to be a minority until you read Stories from you know, so reading helps you get into the world of somebody else, and in the process you develop empathy. What is the other important thing that happens to you when you read? Number two, when you read, you are trying to follow a a complex story. Not every story is simple, right? Mm. Uh, beginning, go through the middle and then end, very easy to follow. There are many stories where you read where the stories are not so straightforward it's a little bit complex you got to think back you got maybe have to read back you have to bit understand and if you read very thick novels then you got to hold many story threads and so this is such an important skill to have as a person as a human being the ability to understand complex issues and complexity mm. right so number two when you read a novel you become empathetic you understand complex things what are the, what's the third thing that happens when you read? Number the third thing you that happens to you when you read is you are alone.
2: Mm.
1: You cannot read a book with somebody else. You know I mean, or in a party, right? You have to be alone. Mm. And it's so important in this day and age and all that, you have to learn to be, you have to learn to be comfortable with yourself. Mm. You're all alone. You have to be with yourself. And it's so important to be with yourself. Important to love yourself. To, uh, important to understand yourself. And so being alone is such an important quality in this day and age when we all feel like we have to run around yeah. and have friends like, and have views and have influencers and have followers. And other. It is so important to be alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But people can also say when they use their phones, they are also being alone, right?
1: Yes, true, true. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, it's it's everything. Right?
0: Yeah, right? yeah.
1: And then lastly, when you read a book, you have to be quiet. Mm. You cannot read a book in a, in a party. Mm. You cannot read a book when there's lots of noise. Some people read a book with uh, some music, yes. But most people, when they sit down to read a book, they read it in silence. So that's the, the fourth thing that happens to you when you read a book. You are in a silent place.
2: Mm.
1: And it's so important especially nowadays, that you learn to be comfortable in a silent place. Right? And so, now, does it happen if you read an e-book? I suppose all those four things can happen if you read an e-book. My point isn't whether it's e-book or p-book. My point is, you need to read a novel or you need to read. You need to spend time reading. Because if you don't, these four things will not happen to you as often as as it should. Yeah.
0: Wow, amazing! You actually and thought uh, everything
1: through. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a, a person who's trying to persuade people to read, so I have to think of yeah, yeah. Uh, reasons why 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 you should read like a an elevator pitch yeah. on why you should read. <laughs> so, but the physical book is so much better, lah. I think for
0: me as well, like I can never get into an ebook. Because you know just reading words on the screen is very fatiguing. Yeah,
1: yeah, of course that's also so I think uh, uh, bookshops and and, and 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 the industry has realized that. You you realize mm-hmm. that Kindle hasn't come up with a new model in a long time. In the early days mm-hmm. they came up with a model and then every six months or what a year, they will come up with a new Kindle, new model. Mm-hmm. And they haven't done it in many years now yeah. because nobody's really buying ebooks.
2: You
1: know? mm. so, so the market true. is more or less saturated. Uh, new people come, does do come in, but not many, and therefore, I am not worried about the ebook. Am I worried about mm. audio books? Uh, I think it's also a different thing, like. In Singapore, we don't travel long distances, therefore yeah. the audio book has uh, less appeal. Yeah, and I think some people, I mean that depending on your personality and your makeup right some people are visual visual learners some people are auditory mm. learners so some mm. people for me if you tell me your name I will never remember your name you know? but if you show me your name card mm. I look at your, your your name printed I will remember much better so for me mm. reading is a much better way of remembering than listening.
0: Yeah. Right. And now with uh with the internet, you know, there are so many recipes online. What is the value of a cookbook?
1: I'm not sure. Yeah, you are right. Uh uh I don't know. I think it's just I don't know. I, I just feel you want to own something, you know? Like you have a mm. home, you have a bookshelf. I mean uh, Yeah. So I have a cookbook and you
0: have I guess for me, it's like the the cookbook is a very consolidated form of one idea. You know what I mean? All the recipes revolve around that singular idea and and that makes it very compelling to me. I mean, you have so many recipes online. Sometimes you just feel very overwhelmed and you just have to find like one recipe at a time.
1: Yeah. So I will use the online one if I wanted to do something and I've forgotten something. Like I say, okay, I want to do... uh, this sauce, I wanted to do something and I forgot, oh, how much sugar should I add or how much uh, or how much, did I miss out? Then I might Google chocolate mm. cake and I say, oh, oh yeah, I, I must put baking powder or, 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 or you know, how much and, yeah. yeah, then maybe I'll look at it just for that kind of thing. But mm. the idea of a cookbook around a certain theme, around a certain personality, still quite attractive to me and I think yeah. For most people, so I, I, uh, yeah. So I think the cookbook still has to have uh, uh, an angle to it, la. It cannot yeah. be just a cookbook with, uh, you know, just. You know, I has to have some. <laughs> yeah, la, It cannot be just a cookbook, la, It has to have yeah. something either revolve around a personality, revolve around mm-hmm. an idea. Uh, yeah. a, it revolve around a theme uh, something mm. yeah i think then then it, then then it works like
0: yeah so when you first heard of my idea for wet market to table um what were your initial impressions because i remember at that time right people used to think of wet markets as very uncool yeah yeah yeah, yeah. as very un-
1: uh, i think uh, pam pam you you pitch your idea to someone else not me
0: I did no. I, I pitched to
1: Lydia. That's right. Yeah. The editor. Yeah. So Lydia was the one who then uh, did she come to me or she already accepted your idea? I can't remember. But you pitched the idea to somebody else, and I think mm. I heard about it much later or after she had either accepted or she pitched it to me. I can't remember now. But certainly because I mean, if I if he had come to me, I would have said yes because I'm a wet market man. I go to the wet market every week. Unless I'm out of mm. Singapore, I'm at the Gimmo market either on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning. Sometimes mm. even Saturday and Sunday, you know. But usually is yeah. uh, I try to go on a Saturday, but if I have something else on a Saturday, then I will go on a Sunday. But I will definitely yeah. go once a week.
0: Yeah, but going by, you know, your original criteria, right, which was one, that it's important, and two, that it is sellable, why did you think that writing a book about the wet markets was either important or that it was an idea that could potentially take off?
1: Intuition? Intuition. I think uh, I didn't meet you at that time. If I had met you, I'm sure I would have been persuaded by you. Uh, (laughs) uh, But... uh, I like the idea of the wet market, as I say. You know, I, I, as mm. I said I go to the wet market. I love looking yeah. at all the food there. When I see yeah. a new vegetable I've never seen before, I will ask the, I Ching, You know, the the girl who serves me at Gimo. Uh, yeah,
0: I, but why? Why did you think that it was important for you know young Singaporeans to? Yeah, it's read important a book
1: to of. go to the market. It's crazy. So many people go to a supermarket to buy things that can be bought from a wet market. Why do you go? Viking from a supermarket, first of all, is a conglomerate. As I told you, I don't like. I don't like. I like
2: the underdog. I like
1: the underdog. So I don't like the, the. And then, do you have any connection with a supermarket? You go there, nobody talks to you. Right? You just get your own thing. If you're lost, you might ask a question. And then you pay at the cashier, and usually you don't see the same cashier. Once in a, you've been there long enough, maybe you'll see the cashier, but you don't strike up any relationship.
0: Yeah, I mean, now it's a huh? self-checkout machine. Well, right
1: yeah, I, In fact, now I always use the self-checkout. Yeah. <laughs> so I go to the supermarket to buy things I cannot buy in a wet market, right? Like butter, milk, orange juice, yogurt, uh, ham, uh, butter, maybe that's it, you know, chocolate, mm-hmm. um, uh, tonic, soda, mm-hmm. alcohol. So things that you cannot buy in a wet market, I will buy in a supermarket. But I will never buy anything from a supermarket that is available at a wet market. I will Mm. never. Because in a wet market, you get to know someone. So you're making a, it's no more a shopping trip, no? Mm. When I, why is it my wife asked me, why must you go to the market in the morning? You know, we are busy today. We got something else. And then you say, oh, you can ask the maid to go and buy. I no, I want to go and buy because I want to see my friend. You know, this woman, this uh, uh, the fruit seller, the vegetable uh, woman, the, the, the chicken, the man who sells me chicken, or the, the pork, I've got to know them. They know me. I know them. We joke when we see each other. So I have a, a connection with them. I don't like to, I'm not uh, uh, egoistic to think that I make a big difference in their life or that I'm important in their life. No, you know, because outside of the market, you know, we don't see each other, obviously. But during that short one hour, it's kind of a nice thing, you know. Mm. And then every Christmas or Chinese New Year in the past, this year I have not because I moved house and I don't have an oven. Uh, Every year I make uh, cheese crisp. I mm. don't think you have tried them. I don't know if you ever had my crisp. I call it, no. the label is the ultimate crisp. All right? So I make a crisp that you cannot find anywhere in Singapore. You cannot find it in any shop. You cannot find it in any cookie store or uh, Chinese New York. way You cannot find it. It's only available from me. I make it. My mate makes it now. And I bottle them into a bottle. They are about... 22 to 25 pieces in a bottle and I actually sell this and the profit goes oh, you sell it. Uh, The profit goes to my, my maid for her retirement mm-hmm. fund but I will make enough not only to sell but also to go to the wet market and give a bottle to every uh, stall holder for whom I'm a you know a customer oh. so the, the chicken man will get one the vegetable woman will get one
0: Oh you know what? You should
1: do a bundle with your cookbooks. <laughs> <laughs> bundle? Yeah. Do you know I've sold your cookbook, the wet market book, at the vegetable store in Gimmo? Uh, in Gimmo. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you told me. I was so surprised, yeah, you thought, know, that put, you were so chummy. With yeah, them yeah, I put 10
1: copies there and I said to them, I put a little poster up. so I took up their space and I put 10 there and I said to them, mm. you sell this at $40. I'd say in the bookshop, it's 44 something. I say it's only $40, you tell everyone. And you keep 20, I keep 20. You know? And you know, the first 10 copies that I put there disappeared. The one weekend I put there, the next weekend I went all gone. But they refused to take that money, you see.
0: I'm curious, what did they think of the cookbook?
1: I don't know. If they did they 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 I gave one free to the to the, the, the vegetable woman who, who sells vegetable yeah. to me. And the other nine, she sold it. She said that everyone, uh, you know, she said easily. She sold it easily. So I brought another 10, I think, uh, mm. the second week. Also all gone. And then when they didn't want to collect money, uh, they, they gave me all the $40 for every book. They refused to take the other 20 Oh,
0: that's amazing. Yeah,
1: because I've, I suppose they feel that I'm their customer. They shouldn't be taking my money with my yeah. own book. So because of that, I stopped giving them the books. Like, I didn't want my books to take up space there. When they yeah, sell yeah. it, they don't take a cent. And it was not right. Like. Mm. So I, I stopped that. Yeah, But it was selling in a wet market. Quite remarkable. Yeah. So
0: cute. Yeah. I always I always feel like um these vendors are so nice. Like uh, when I was shopping at the wet market, I think there was once where I didn't bring enough cash yeah. because they only operate with cash, yeah. right? They don't do like cut. Yeah, then the uncle was like, it's okay, next time you pay. Yes. And that was the
1: first time I ever saw him. Ah, oh, First time, no. I, of course, know them very well and I, I've said to them before, hey, I've run out of money. They always say to me, pay me next week. They always say that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because you know, I'm yeah. there every week. So... No problem, you see. So there is just, I mean,
0: relationship. Yeah, you know, you don't
1: get a lot. uh, You don't get a lot of chances to make relationship with people in our life, right? We are busy. We are working, and then you have to go shopping for your food. You either go Red Mart or you go supermarket. Why do those two when you can? Where there's a third alternative, where you have to do something marketing at the same time, you make relationship. Why not? It's so wonderful. Yeah. so yeah. it's a no-brainer for me to say you know, to decide whether I want to go to a wet market it's it's obvious you yeah. should go to a wet market it makes it's sense. very
0: Singaporean culture la, to to keep to yourself and to like not even make eye contact it's like when you go into Watsons, right? you just, you know, you don't say hi to the, the cashier and then you just buy your thing and then you just go mm-hmm. but I think in other countries the culture is very much different yes, yes. I mean, you yourself, you have lived overseas, yes, yes. right?
1: Yes, uh, and, and, in the and UK, was- so so you come to a, a, a checkout counter and the, the checkout person might have a long conversation with you you know yeah and then the person in the queue will just put up with it right <laughs> First, I know in Singapore if somebody was having a long conversation at the uh, yeah. checkout counter I and I'm in the queue I get very irritated right um, yeah I, I understand that. So yeah, that's exactly what I'm
0: going through now, like, in this town. Ah, just wait all wait for the conversation. Yeah,
1: wonderful. And that's mm. what you have in the wet market. Wonderful. Mm. I I, yeah. I I just can't imagine not although I always look at the wet market and I always think, can it be improved? You know? And I'm very tempted to want to improve things for them. Because mm. I've seen the what you call the equivalent of wet market, right? The farmers mm. market in the West. Mm. And I, I, I noticed that they, when they, in the fruit section or the vegetable section or the, or even the fish section, they arrange their food in a way that makes it much more attractive, right? Yeah. And I think our wet, wet market could, could learn something like that, you know. Mm,
0: very true. Uh,
1: which they don't, I think, and that, that yeah. I think uh, something they could maybe do lah.
0: So I have one last question for you, Evan. And that is a question that lots of people have been asking me and I I will now pose it to you. And that is, do you think wet markets will survive?
1: Oh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I hope so. Okay, I hope so. Uh, I hope so. Um, And I I do see more uh, young... in, in Gimo anyway, where, you know, it's the only place I go now. Uh, I do see more younger people. The, the non, uh, not young, not just younger people, but people that you would normally not see in the web market. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, like, uh, experts, uh, a bit more middle class, a bit more educated people. Uh, I see more of them. Uh,
0: because of COVID or?
1: Oh, uh, no, no. Over the years. Over the years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've seen more of them. Uh, of course, when I ask my daughter or son to come with me to the wet market, <laughs> the first thing it says, they will say is, oh, they can't stand the smell. So yeah. there will be people like that, I suppose. So I think the wet market can, can certainly improve themselves, right? Make mm-hmm. it less wet, make it less smelly, mm-hmm. uh, arrange their product in a way that is more appealing. Right, and I think you they will they will survive, la. It's just like saying, will there will will, will there be center. hawker centres? Right, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked me, "What's your favourite food?" And I say, "My favourite food is hawker food." Mm-hmm. You know, and I can't imagine saying, "Oh, everybody starts to eat in cafes, and then oh, there'll be no more hawker food." I can't mm-hmm. see that happening in Singapore, and in the same way. I can't see that we will say, "Oh, let's don't, let's not have a wet market anymore," because huh? it's mm-hmm. wh- why un- unhygienic. It's not un-, un it's not unhygienic, right? It, it's a little bit wet and it's a little bit uh, smell. But mm-hmm. I I, uh, I get used to the wet now, and I've got used to the smell. You know, it's it's not a big problem for me. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. uh, I think you will stay, but it certainly can help with. Uh, improvement in look, la. makeover, makeover. <laughs> maybe it needs your design skills, yeah it doesn't need, we just look at uh, some uh, examples overseas, overseas
0: market. like are. Queen Victoria or like Tsukiji market,
1: yeah I and I, I've been to Barcelona in the, the wet market, uh, I can't, I don't know what it's called, uh, I've been to you know in London a few of these uh, farmers market and all that and uh, yes, I think if we can somehow, um, you know, rearrange things, yeah, that would help. Mm-hmm. I think that would help. That would help certainly. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, can you incorporate food into the wet market? It's a little bit difficult. You can, like Sukiji, right? Yeah, know, like they yeah.
0: have the. So I'm the not sure and... in
1: the Singapore context because the the hawker center is next to the wet market. It's in that sense yeah. it's already integrated. It oh, work, yeah. so maybe it's not necessary but yeah certainly uh yeah even our hawker centers can be improved lah. you know like great they are now uh clearing the tables uh, mm. maybe it can be more more breezy less less stuffy uh, mm. things like that i think uh, you know yeah.
0: yeah always room for improvement i suppose yeah. Yeah. but Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was really lovely chatting with you. Okay,
2: (laughs) Um,
0: I had so much, you know, new insights about you and about the work that you do. It was really interesting getting like a behind the scenes peek.
1: Happy, happy to share. Happy to share.
0: That wraps up another episode of the Singapore Noodles Podcast. You have been listening to Edmund Wee of Epigram Books. We now stand at the crossroads where we are witnessing the vanishing of traditional dishes and the gradual erosion of our rich food culture. Now more than ever, we have to encourage one another to get back into the kitchen to cook food from our heritage. Singapore Noodles is offering a membership dedicated to equipping anyone with everything that they need to start cooking local. Visit sgpnoodles.com to find out more. Once again, thank you for listening to the Singapore Noodles podcast where we believe in a world where Singaporeans are proud of our rich and diverse food culture and play an active role in keeping traditions alive.